Hey guys, and welcome back to the Christian Framework, Case Notes for an Abundant Life. This is Andrew here, your co-host, along with my beautiful and smart wife, Camille. Wow, uh, what an introduction. Who is joining me today for our first real substantive show. We're going to start with our first case note, and that is the book of Genesis, Genesis 1. Why don't you get us started, Camille? Okay, I didn't think you were going to just talk about the chapter, but (laughs) what we were going to talk about for this case note is the war between the spirit and the flesh. And Andrew is correct that the best place to start for that is Genesis 1, because in order to understand the battle that Christians go through on a day-to-day, it's important to understand the component parts of who we are and who God is and who the enemy is and that our war is always in the spirit. That's right, Camille. And I think just in terms of a 50,000-foot overview of what we're going to learn as we actually look through the, the scripture of Genesis is, number one, we're going to get introduced to really the key players that that permeate the entire Bible. We're going to have an introduction to who God is, we're going to have an introduction to who the enemy is, and then we're going to have an introduction into who man is. You know, obviously we are man, and each individual man has several components in him as well. So each individual man will have a spirit that resides in a body, the body itself, and then the soul, which itself comprises the mind, the will, and the emotion. Exactly. And I think, Andrew, what most people don't realize is that man does have a spirit, and it is that spirit of man that communes and communicates with God. And it is that spirit that has that relationship, and it's that relationship that was broken because of sin. And that's why Andrew and I thought Genesis 1 would be a good place to start to put some context behind how that relationship got destroyed and also to put some context into what God really planned and intended for his children before man had committed sin. So Andrew, do you want to start off with where we are in Genesis 1? Sure. So if we just look at the very beginning of Genesis 1, What we have in Genesis 1-1 is the statement, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? And what we learned from the very beginning was, in the beginning, God are the very first words of the Bible, meaning that God existed before all things and that God is eternal and God will exist before the world was ever created and after the world passes away. And we kind of get this right from the get-go, this understanding that God was the beginning of all things. And we won't go through every single chapter of Genesis, I mean, verse of Genesis 1, because we also want to cover some highlights in Genesis 2 and 3. But one important aspect in Genesis 1 is verse 2, where it says, and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And it's important to remember that God is a spirit being. And I think it's pretty obvious since we don't uh, see God, we don't hear him, we don't feel him in in that physical sense. I think the first thing that Genesis informs us is our God is a spirit. And if our God is a spirit, the next logical question is, how does something physical connect with something spiritual? Correct. And we get some insight on this as we read through the rest of the chapter. And as Camille said, we won't read every single verse in the chapter. But if you just look at verse 3, which becomes 
sort of a paradigm for how most of the rest of the chapter works. It says, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. So what we learn just from verse 3 is that while God is spirit, he has a word, and he, that word has power, and that word has creative power, such that when God conceives of something and then speaks, there is matter that forms as a result of that action. And we see that same syntax in each individual paragraph as the world and the things in the world are created. We see, then God, then God said, let there be X, and then there was X, right? And that's repeated over and over. And when you have that kind of repetition, it's there for a reason, and it's meant to teach us a lesson. And that is that the Word of God has the power of creation in it, which is a very, very important point as we studied the entire Scripture. Yeah, and it's it's an important point that we all should keep in the back of our heads as we continue to read the other books of the Bible. One point to note here is that God is doing this in Genesis, but that we, this principle of God, that words have power, is not something just um, exclusive to God. It's something that is, has been made available to us who accept Christ. And it's one of the benefits of being a child of God and of having Christ in your life. But that's obviously for a different episode. I just wanted to flag this is a very important principle of God that words have power. Yes. And another key concept as you're reading through Genesis 1 is that we have this recurring language throughout the entire chapter that God's creation is both good and abundant. If you look, for example, you'll see beginning in in, power, in verse 10, you'll see the first time it says, and God saw that it was good. And again, that is repeated after every single individual act of creation. There's a repetition that what God created was good. And then we see later in the chapter that God also created things to be abundant. And the reason that things were created to be abundant is because what God was creating was essentially a, a place for man to dwell, man being the part of the family of God created in God's own image, God was creating the world for the benefit of man. Yeah, two, two points I just wanted to go there. First is, I love verse 20 and 24, because God said, let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the heavens. A similar language is in verse 24 about the earth bringing forth the living creature according to its kind. So uh, to, to Andrew's point, the abundance of creatures and things for man was there for the from the very beginning. And then to, to Andrew's second point, the image of God is how man was made. So in verse 26, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the earth, and over the cattle, over all of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. In verse 27, it's repeated again. So God created man in his own image the second time. And then a third time in the image of God, he created him male and female. He created him. And Andrew, I think what's really, what strikes me in this verse is in addition to what you said about God creating things that are good and God creating things in abundance for man, he also then said that man will have dominion over these things that God has created. Yeah, I really think that verse 26 through 28 are really the key, key verses in Genesis 1. Honestly, we could probably separate out a whole podcast just on just some of the 
not only the doctrinal points, but some of the key points that really come to life in in Genesis 26 to 28, you know, that are going to permeate the entire Bible. So I, I just want to touch on a couple of things that I think will help frame our discussion going forward. So, I mean, if we look at 26, then God said, let us make man in our image. First of all, we'll now notice that the syntax of the sentence or the verbiage of the sentence has now become plural, right? Let us, capital U-S, make man in our image, capital O. Yes. Right? So, well, why is that plural? Because in the beginning, we're saying that God is creating, God is creating, God is creating. And how we know or what gives meaning to this is when we skip to the gospel, when we go to John 1. And then we learn that in the beginning was the word, right? right? And who was the word? Jesus Christ, right? So when we're talking about us or our, when God is saying that, what he's talking about is that Jesus was actually the speaking voice that created all things in the earth. So Jesus existed in the beginning, right? When all these things were being made. And that's the reason for the plural there, which is further explained to us by the gospel writer, John, in the beginning of his account. So that's one doctrinal point that that's important there. Um, And then when you start with 27, so God created man in his own image, right? And as we mentioned before, God is a spirit. Of course, Jesus came in the flesh, but at this point, God is a, a spirit. God doesn't have a physical form. So when we're talking about being created in God's image, what we're talking about is having the spirit of God or the same spirit, a communal spirit with God and man. And that's, you know, why... You always hear that, you know, Jesus is 100% man and 100% God, right? But the God that we're talking about here, the spirit of God, obviously doesn't have a fleshly component, unlike man that does. And it's very important to understand the the human spirit because that is what's going to uh, allow us to understand the other books of the Bible, especially the writings of Paul, because Paul often talks about the human spirit and what had happened when we sinned and that communal spirit, that relationship that Andrew's talking about was broken. And just one more point before we move on, and it's a brief one, just on verse 28, and it's sometimes overlooked, but it says, then God blessed them, right? And what we see here is that God bestowed a blessing on man from the very beginning, meaning that man was in God's good graces and that man was blessed by God from the very inception. Yeah, and and to further emphasize that, you could even go to 29 because we touched on the actual things on the earth being created as good and abundant. But then on, on verse 29, that's when God actually says, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed which is on the face of all the earth and every tree whose fruit yields seed to you, it shall be food. And he's talking to man. So he's created man in his image. And he's saying, all of these things I've made, I've given to you. I've given you every, every herb so that you can have food to eat. So you will never lack in that effect. And it emphasizes it again in 30, where it says, and to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life there, I have given every green herb for food, and it was so. Then God saw everything that he made, and indeed it was very good. It's this idea, this principle, that God is a perfect God, and he supplies all the needs, all of the birds, and all of the the things that creep on the earth. He's provided them with their food, and similarly so for us as well. He's provided us with all of our needs, and that was always his intention from the beginning, not just to provide us with the bare minimum he's provided us with more than that he's provided us with abundance and he's also provided abundance that is good for us 
And I think that just needs to be emphasized as to what the plan of God is for man. Basically covers most of the high points in Genesis 1. So at this point, I just kind of want each of us to close the key takeaway points that we learned from Genesis 1. And I think one of the main points for me is to take away is that God has a plan, right? And there is a purpose for each word that God speaks. What we learn in Genesis 1 is that God, God's word has a creative power and that his purpose was to create a place for man to dwell and that man was going to be the object of God's love and that man was blessed. So that word had a purpose in fulfilling what God's plan was. So we learn from Genesis 1 that God has a will that we can use as a force of good in the world. And the last thing is that God created man to live in abundance and in a good and prosperous way. So we have a world that was created in an abundant fashion and that God wanted to have that world for man to be sustained and man to have an existence that was good and plentiful. And that is the original will of God that we see in Genesis 1. Camille, why don't you tell us what some of your takeaways are? Well, considering I went after you, I feel like you've covered all the takeaways that I would have said. Um, However, I will just point out two minor things. One, with respect to being made in the image of God, I think it's important to remember that it is our human spirit that communes with the spirit of God. And like I said before, how can a spirit connect with the physical, right? It really can't. The, the spirit connects with the spirit. And that's an important point to, to remember. And the second thing is that there's a hierarchy that was shown here in Genesis 1. It wasn't just that we were on the same level as the birds and the fish and the, the, the things that creep on the earth. God was very clear that man had dominion over these things. And it, it's, again, it shows his love man and it shows also how precious we are to him and how his plan from the beginning is that we had authority and you'll see later on how that authority was taken from us when we sinned and and how satan played a role in that but from the very beginning we had authority and when you have that creative power when you use the power the, the word of god you you have to understand the authority you have in using that word of god to create So I think that wraps it up for for episode two in terms of Genesis 1. And we're going to delve into Genesis 2 and 3 in our next episode and go further into the other components of man and hopefully get into the, the distinction between the spirit and the flesh and why there is such a battle between the spirit and the flesh. But until next time, thanks for listening. And please also follow us at our Instagram page, The Framework Podcast. Uh, Please give us a like, thumbs up for this episode. And also for whatever platform you're following our podcast, please give us a like or thumbs up. We really appreciate it. Anything else, Andrew? That should do it, Camille. Until next time, guys, we'll see you later.